Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. It's your boy, Dr. Mark List. Um, before we get into today, we're going to jump into the primary care at, primary care pod at gmail.com inbox, primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox. That's where you can send me any articles, any uh, things you want to talk about, or just give me some feedback. That's cool, too. Always appreciate that. Um, today's joke comes from an anonymous listener. Hey, Dr. List, I think my wife has secretly been putting glue all over my firearms. She denies it but I'm sticking to my guns. All right, let's start the podcast. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Pod girls, pod boys, pod people. It's your pod doc, Dr. Mark List. Today's episode is another back-to-back article from the Annals of Internal Medicine, the Green Journal, my favorite. Um, And it comes up and it's a really interesting take on a really complicated topic. And this might be um, one of the more technically complicated and... uh, not clear black or white um, topics that we've talked about in the primary care podcast, and that is indefinite anticoagulant therapy for first unprovoked venous thromboembolism. Okay, and so this came from uh, our Annals of Internal Medicine, June 27th of 2023, and the topic I think is really important because in primary care, oftentimes we get stuck with really tough decisions. And, you know, yes, the answer is usually, uh, at least in my opinion, is usually shared decision-making. But shared decision-making with a patient relies on us having all of the, how do you want to say, relevant data, important data, all the pieces. And that can be really difficult sometimes, especially in these cases, like I said, the gray parts of medicine, not black, not white, but what this isn't uh, an easy decision in either direction. And this uh, came, uh, this, I, I really appreciate this article because not too long ago in clinic, I had a conversation with a patient who had his first ever DVT and it was an unprovoked DVT, right? And that's completely different than somebody who has a DVT. It's clearly provoked, uh, whether it's cancer or some other clear condition, right? Normally surgery or, uh, you know, extended period of, of immobility, et cetera. And it led me to an article on UpToDate reviewing the current data and reviewing the current chest guidelines, um, which talk a lot about this. And there's an article, and I'm going to link both the this primary article we're going to talk about today in Annals of Internal Medicine and this UpToDate article. I'll link both in the show notes below, wherever you get your podcasts. And so the article on UpToDate, if you want to find it uh, without the link, is Selecting Adult Patients with Lower Extremity DVT and PE for Indefinite Anticoagulation. Basically, which patients can you treat and let go and back to normal life, and which patients do you need to treat and then indefinitely treat? And they break it down, the quote-unquote experts in this study, um, and we all know how I feel about expert opinion, um, into low recurrent risk, medium or intermediate recurrent risk, and then high recurrence risk, okay? And they talk about lower recurrence risk basically being a first episode VTE with a transient major risk factor, again, usually surgery, et cetera. And uh, um, basically they say three months and then you're done, okay? In the intermediate recurrence group, 
is a lot of quote unquote expert opinion because the studies have not clearly delineated the benefit of long-term anticoagulation indefinitely versus the major harms of bleeding risks and uh, and subsequent costs, et cetera. So they break the intermediate group down into first VTE with a persistent non-malignant risk factor. So this is like an inflammatory condition, um, obesity, active inflammatory bowel disease, active autoimmune disease, nephrotic syndrome, uh, ex- uh, recurrent long-haul flights expected to continue, uh, continued hormonal therapy, things that are going to be continuous um, uh, risk factors that aren't going to go away, and they're also not cancer. But they, this is the first VTE. And they're the this... Um, this groups, this expert opinion, the authors of UpToDate, uh, basically say that the recurrence rate, um, it really depends on which risk factor because it can be as low as 5% per one-year risk versus 15% per one-year. But they have a very, this is, quote, we typically have a low threshold to offer indefinite anticoagulation, providing that the bleeding risk is not high. Okay, so basically in those patients, they basically favor indefinite anticoagulation, right? And then they have first episode VTE due to transient minor risk factor. And again, these minor risk factors include long flights, minor surgery, um, lower extremity injury without fracture, but has reduced mobility for greater than three days. And then they talk a lot about how this is a very um, debatable group and that in the chest guidelines, expert opinion that some physicians Uh, prefer lifelong indefinite anticoagulation because with a minor risk factor, you're more likely to probably have some kind of underlying um, familial uh, inheritable hypercoagulatable syndrome, and that's why you had it, a VTE with only a minor risk factor. Other physicians, other experts think that uh, three months is enough um, for treatment and would not uh, recommend definite anticoagulant, but again, a very mixed mixed batch. And then um, obviously a first provoked with a without a clear identifying risk factor. So completely, completely, completely unprovoked whatsoever. These experts uh, and the CHESS guidelines, basically, they suggest indefinite treatment with anticoagulant therapy. So absolutely no provoking whatsoever, um, no, no clear risk factors whatsoever. They basically say the risk of recurrence is high enough that um, we'd recommend it indefinitely, but there's a case to be made in a certain patient population that you could go with shorter term. All of this background knowledge is for review, right? Because I read this giant article, so you don't have to, okay? And and again, we're talking about first VTE. We're not talking about recurrent VTE. Recurrent VTE is really a high recurrence for the future, probably needs to be on lifelong anticoagulation, unless there is some clear risk factor that continues to happen um, and in the absence of this intermittent risk factor, they're not having any lifelong anticoagulation needs because otherwise they are healthy and not having DVTs, et cetera. Um, but again, that's, those are pretty rare situations. So in this study here um, from Khan et al., this was a modeling study looking at an ability to estimate the lifelong risk benefits of lifelong anticoagulation versus short-term anticoagulation with observation afterwards. And this was uh, based in Canada. So they used uh, public data. They used um, payer 
um, costs. So the United States costs are obviously going to be a lot higher on this. They calculated uh, basically predicted cost per year of treatment versus not treatment savings um, in Canadian dollars. And then also they looked at quality adjusted life years um, in terms of gain or loss, which group was better, right? The treatment, lifelong treatment group versus the uh, non-lifelong treatment group, the short-term and then release basically. And so I'm going to read the uh, I'm going to read this, uh, the results, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the study. The results of the best of the base case analysis. So when compared to discontinuing anticoagulation, okay, so this is the treat and release group, the hypothetical cohort of patients on indefinite anticoagulation of 1,000 patients average age 55, because that's the average age for most of the drug trials for DOAX, just FYI. So if you took a thousand patients and anticoagulated them for life, those patients, if you, that thousand patients would have 368 fewer recurrent VTE events, which includes 14 fatal PEs. Okay. So a, a significant number of prevented events and 14 death saves, but in the model had an additional 114 major bleeding events, which included 30 intracranial hemorrhages and 11 deaths from bleeding. So fewer numbers, but higher deaths and, and more significant deaths. Their, their models state that indefinite anticoagulation in patients that have their first unprovoked VTE, indefinite anticoagulation cost 16,000 Canadian dollars more per person and did not increase quality adjusted life years. So no mortality benefit long-term. Um, and, you know, there are some major limitations. Obviously, this is using, this is a model using existing meta-analysis and randomized control trial data. So, and most of these randomized control trials are not lifelong. They are, you know, a year long, maybe several years long. And so a lot of this is, uh, you know, modeling data, right? And that's the entire purpose of this study. But this lets us see, right? Uh, you know, some of the studies are only a year long, some are a little bit longer. But this lets us see if we combine all of the studies and, you know, this study, they did a great job. There was multiple, multiple, multiple studies that they included in this, uh, a lot of data that went into these models um, ranging uh, from uh, longer term trials to shorter term trials um, and looking specifically at cost perspective and long term management costs, et cetera, mortality benefits. And so, again, I can't speak specifically to the math involved in the models. I'm not a PhD. I do not have the qualifications to assess whether their model was accurate or not. But I think this gets back to more data and talking points that we can use in the room with patients because this is not an easy decision. Anybody, any of you out there who have had to make this decision with a patient of they had a single, their first VTE. Okay, whether it's a and, 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 and for clarification's sake, these were all VTEs that were either um, significant PEs, so not just uh, incidental subsegmental PEs, okay, so definite PEs, um, or DVTs that were considered to be proximal, right? So popliteal or proximal to that. So not just DVTs isolated to the calves. So these are high risk, um, significant DVTs with significant PEs. 
And again, the expert opinions basically say for the majority of these people, they should be on indefinite anticoagulation. And then for some people with minor risk factors or in certain patients' populations, um, they could maybe do a trial of three months followed by indefinite anticoagulation. anticoagulation. But again, um, many of the experts and expert opinion on this basically says lifelong. And clearly, clearly this is due, and even in this study with their model, which their model favors not doing lifelong just from a cost and lack of mortality benefit long-term. But even in their study, even in this negative study for uh, indefinite anticoagulation, 360 recurrent VTE events, including 14 fatal PEs in 1,000 hypothetical patients. That's a lot of VTE. That's a lot of recurrent VTEs. That's a lot of fatal PEs. And so knowing your patient in front of you, this has to be a very difficult conversation, no matter with this data or not with this data, in terms of there are studies that clearly indicate that lifelong anticoagulation will prevent VTE events, very clearly, right? We have good data to support that. But there's also a lot of data on the risks of bleeding. And again, this is looking at Canadian dollars in terms of overall society costs that yeah, it's actually going to be more costly to do anti def, indefinite anticoagulation, not only just from a cost perspective, but also from an outcome perspective, not increasing the quality adjusted life year. So no mortality benefit and it's costly. But again, all of the expert opinions, all of the data talks about the importance of preventing VTE, preventing fatal MIs, or sorry, fatal PEs. Um, and the authors do talk about that their model um, did seem to way heavily that these major, major bleeding events existed um, and were very sensitive to the case fatality events of major bleeding. Um, but they didn't even include minor bleeding events um, within this, right? Or or minor DVTs or subsegmental PEs. They were not even included in this in the study. So I, I take away from this study a couple things. Number one is that this is going to be a difficult decision no matter how many studies come out on this topic. Like this is clearly a there is not a great choice in either direction because clearly not being on indefinite anticoagulation for unprovoked DVTs and PEs is dangerous and will likely cause recurrent VTEs, okay? Like, like that is a very, very clear outcome of not just this study, but all studies. But this study, again, highlights how expensive DOACs are, how expensive major bleeding episodes are and hospitalizations associated with care, how much more expensive it is, right? And this study highlights the fact that long-term modeling data doesn't even suggest, based on the fact that there were 11 deaths specifically from bleeding and 30 intracranial hemorrhages associated with these 1,000 patients on anti indefinite anticoagulation, that there's not that much overall mortality to be gained. And again, this is a model, not a randomized control trial. And so we're left with expert opinions on one side, modeling data on the other side, Neither one is as good as a randomized control trial. Neither is, you know, both are considered low quality evidence. And I think this just hammers on the point of shared decision making. There's not a good decision either way. There's risks and harms. And talking with your individual patient about what is best for them and dealing with the side effects and the consequences, uh, documenting adequately, having good conversations and ongoing conversations about um, going back 
and, and readdressing this over time, maybe as more risk factors pop up or as a patient becomes more risk averse to DVTs and PEs, for example. Um, and so anyways, uh, the, my take home is a complicated topic does not become any less complicated just because of this study. But I think that this gives us more data to talk with our patients about the costs and the risks and the lack of overall proven mortality benefit long-term. Um, this has been Dr. Markless with the Primary Care Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today on this really complicated gray area topic. Um, hopefully, uh, this shed some light on future conversations with you and your patients. Reminder, you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks. God bless you. Have a great week.